Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Halos in the Infield podcast. As you see on the video, if you're watching the YouTube, it's me on one side and it's James Gonzalez on the other. So say hi to James. What's up, everybody? Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting the page. Yes, sir. And, and on Halos in the Infield, this is the podcast version as well. So if you're listening, you can check us out here for all our other episodes. We do a few shows a week. We also have James here because he's filling in for Fernando, who usually joins me as the co-host. And James will be on several of these shows at times, filling in as well, or just being on as a general guest because he knows his trivia, he knows his angel baseball, and also he does the pregame shows. So if you're on the Instagram, if you're on the Facebook, even on Twitter, he does a pregame show before every Angels game, breaking it down, giving you the matchups and the lineup. <laughs> Love doing that, man. Exactly. He does a good job on breaking everything down before the Angels go. And then also we have a post-game show hosted by myself. And we also have Around the MLB, which is a midweek with uh, Chase and Andrew. That's a good show as well. And a couple more things coming. You also can go to Redbubble and get our merchandise, which we also have Halos in the infield shirts, hoodies, hats, all kinds of cool stuff. And then also we have uh, Buttercup stuff, if you know the term that we use Buttercup for. If not, find out because it's pretty fun pretty damn funny we have blow pin pictures and uh also uh shirts and stuff like that so a lot of cool stuff to check out with the merch so as the business part of it is out of the way let's start talking some angels baseball and this last series with the yankees what are your thoughts on that three game series which turned into a three game series because of the rain out yesterday well i knew the first two games were going to be playing but i wasn't sure about the third and the fourth one of course was rained out um I thought, okay, if we can at least get a split in the first two, I'd be fine with that. Um, getting the the first game, uh, what was it, five to three? Losing the second game, uh, five to eleven. That really hurt. Third game was crazy, man. Like, figured what we were down seven nothing, and just no way. Like seven three eight three, we'd never come back. And then. Bam. Just after a couple of rain delays, little by little, got the grand slam by Walsh, added some insurance, which is always needed with, with a team. Um, and we caught Chapman at the right time as he struggled, man. If you're looking at his numbers, he had like the first, what, 18 appearances or whatnot. He was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the last 13 appearances. That sounds right. Yeah, um, he's just been awful, <laughs> and and everybody's getting on him. Everybody's getting on the team. I mean, you always mention it in your post-game shows and whatnot. If the Angels had the type of media coverage that the Yankees do, you imagine the scrutiny that Rendon would get, you know, when Pujols was there. You know, I would love that personally, like that media coverage that the Yankees have. When it's great, it's awesome. But when you lose, oh my, everybody's on you. That's why the fan support is down with the with the Yankees, and that's why, man, the 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 um. What I was saying yesterday on this guy's podcast, I said, it seems like every week or two, Steinbrenner is going to have to come out with a State of the Union address to say, yeah, okay, Boone is fine, um, Cashman is fine. But really, both, if they don't make the playoffs, they'll be gone. So I was happy just to catch the Yankees at the right time. I was kind of kind of happy that 
the fourth game wasn't played because then they had to fly back right away as the Angels start the three-game series at home against uh, the Orioles. But if they had to wait and play until, you know, two or three hours later, it'd be a late flight back home. So I'm just happy they didn't have to play. And the Angels got back here, you know, sometime yesterday afternoon and not evening. I was worried the Yankees would have made the Angels stay and play and go through the delays again. So it's good on the players that they didn't have to play. But to take two out of three against the Yankees, I don't care whenever. It's a great feeling to beat them. I'm just happy that they did with that. I'm really, really, uh, I'll take it. Okay, well, I got a couple of comments on that one. I, I kind of disagree with that last statement, but I'll go, I'll go back. Not the two out of three. I love the two out of three. But the fact that, you know, the first game was good because, you know, uh, Bundy had that incident where he threw up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they brought Suarez in. And Suarez is basically been their savior when those situations happen and pitchers stuck in the beginning. And he just settles everybody down, you know. And yeah. he feeds off of that. And there's a reason why he's got a winning record. Uh, and, and, and a low array. And so when he get in, he got in there, he saved that game. The Angels fought back, took the lead, and, and uh, you know, just went on to get the W. Uh, second game was disappointing. The bullpen, the hitting was bad. And uh, like I said, third game was amazing because I counted them out from the get-go. I thought seven runs in the first inning. Otani showing up. Uh, they had so much. They had their biggest sellout of the year. So that should tell you something. And they also had uh, the Yankees. Uh, and they also had media from all over the world, and the game was supposed to be, uh, you know, a showcase. And instead, you know, it turned into a back and forth, and the Angels scored seven runs. And off of Raldos Chapman, the thing was, you know, I listened to the WFAN, uh, the fan, the next day because I like listening to them sometimes because they, they do talk a lot of good sports, but they're heavy on New York, obviously. And you know, they're an overdramatic media over there. And I was listening to the Boomer Esiason show, and they're saying, you know what, since the sticky stuff uh, substance was being uh, mandated and they were going to, um, what do you call it, start enforcing that, since that announcement by Major League Baseball, Chapman's numbers have gone through the roof, his walks have gone up, and his fastball command is not good. His, uh, he's been having to rely on that weak curveball, and that curveball, which was pounded by Walsh out of there, and he had three walks prior to that. So they're kind of like hinting at the fact of, hey, you know what, this is probably, you know, maybe he was cheating. And all of a sudden that he's not untouchable since that rule came out. This is why he's given up so many runs. Um, so and then, and then the thing I disagree about was I kind of wanted them to play game four only for the fact that this happened in Toronto or in, uh, in Florida. When the Angels started to get on a run, they had a big dramatic win and they had some momentum. They got rained out and they came home and played sluggish. And then, and then you had another opportunity where they had a, a really good game against the Twins, and they were on a bit of a roll prior to that, too. The COVID thing hit. They were off for two or three days, and then they just fell apart again. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen, especially against who they're playing next. But, that's, but I was kind of hoping they play through. And then the guys on the fans said that they wanted the Yankees to play because they need to get their heads out their asses. And that game four, um, the rain that was predicted that they called the game off for, it never rained once between the time that the game was played till after. So there was no rain. I mean, the humidity, really? Yeah, they said there was no humidity in that New York area, uh, or there was humidity, but there was no thunderstorms, no rain in the area that would have caused the delay. So they, in in hindsight, they could have played the game. 
Wow. So I'm wondering when they'll come back. I think, uh, what was it, August 20th or 16th, whenever it may be, they have to go to New York, and that could be a inconvenience, I guess. But I got to see the schedule and see if that's a time where they go to Baltimore or where they go to Cleveland on that trip. I think it's but, Baltimore, uh, Baltimore-Boston trip, and they're going to play between one of the games. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. It's not like, oh, they have to come all the way back to Oakland from from John Wayne, you know, to, to play the New York. That would just be awful. And, you know, you mentioned that with the New York media and whatnot. Jacob deGrom has kind of prog- unprogressed since they started check for substances. Remember, he had the under one ERA for a while. And now that's kind of skyrocketed. I was watching yesterday. They were playing the uh, Braves, and I saw that he gave up uh, three runs, and usually he's not giving up anything. So I don't know how much it is, but, man, it, it just seems to be that the substances being taken away are making a uh, big difference, and the hitters are loving that. Because remember when the season first started, they were talking about how many strikeouts are happening, you know, how many ground balls are being hit. You know, the numbers are down with that batting averages. So now I guess everything is kind of even, evening out, I guess. But, uh, again, it's a, it's, a bad, it's a bad sign for the game going into the labor dispute in the offseason, having, you know, a pat down after every inning for a pitcher. You know, it's like a stop and frisk. We were talking about New York. It's a stop and frisk kind of thing going on. It's not good for the game. It just really isn't. What I would do if I'm the pitcher is I'm like, hey, go and check the pine tar on every bat and make sure the length isn't above where it's supposed to be on the bat. You know, if any pitcher gets really sick and tired of this crap, I'll say, hey, go check the bats because they might be cheating as well. Yeah, I to me, I, I feel I feel that this is a, a problem in baseball right now because unlike other sports, and I know there's issues in the NBA, obviously, there's issues in the NFL, obviously, and in hockey. But for most sports, they like to keep things in-house. They like to say, okay, you know what, we got an issue here, we got an issue there, but they're going to keep it inside. Major League Baseball goes out of their way to write press. Even if the press is not even asking or insinuating or trying to find out things, they go out of their way to do a press release and tell everybody, hey, we're looking into it. You just keep your mouth shut and take care of it internally. Or, or you know what, if, if they don't say anything and they all of a sudden see Trevor Bauer or another pitcher walk over to the dugout and they're getting inspected, then the media after the game can come with the questions like, hey, what were the umpires doing talking to the pitchers? Oh, we're checking for illegal substances. This is what we're going to ban now. Don't put it out there as if the entire league is cheating because that makes everything look bad. And to a point, it's kind of good in a way that they are cleaning up because, like you said, runs are up. And I wish they would kind of change the shift thing. I've been advocating for, hey, just like you have a number of mound visits, you should have a number of shifts per game or per inning. And, and if they can, and because there's an argument to that too, or well, if you can't hit the shift and you shouldn't be a major leaguer or go the other way. Um, but as far as the sticky substance stuff, to your point, I agree that does, it has to make some sort of difference in this game if it's affecting pitchers that much the spin rate, the velocity, everything. So, um, I, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it's, if it's going to be this way and, and we're going to see the real pitchers pitch with their good stuff, I'm good with that. 
Um, but cheating has always been a part of the baseball. And if they want to crack down on it now, um, I, I find it hard to go with because, like what you said, we don't want a stoppage. And Tony Clark and the, and the baseball union is, the, is the, probably the strongest union next to freaking the shoremen's or the, or the iron workers or whatever in this, in this nation. And they're going to push for more money, more rule changes, and they're not going to like this stuff. Their players being fined or suspended. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have to see what happens. Basically. Yeah, and I found out where, you know, Hector Santiago was one who got caught with the substances, I guess. He had it inside his glove. Glove yeah. um, was sent to um, – like Sioux Falls, wherever that is. I'm trying to remember. Is that North Dakota, South Dakota? I just felt like that was a weird place to be sent. You know, I figured it was supposed to be like the league office somewhere in New York, in Manhattan. But, you know, it went to Sioux Falls. And then found out, well, he's getting suspended for those 10 games. But uh, it's with pay. So it's not really as bad, I guess. Maybe Tony won't, uh, Tony won't cry too much because of that. We'll see. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what they want. They say, hey, if there is suspensions, I want with pay since this, this is all brand new, since this is all coming out all of a sudden. We don't want our players getting docked any pay. So I guess that's a good thing. I think so, too. Um, so as we move on from that, we'll get into some more news around the league, but let's preview this Baltimore series. Mm. So the Baltimore Orioles come in, obviously, last in the American League. Tonight's pitching matchup is Susan Aiken, left-handed pitcher. He's 0-4 with a 7-11 ERA uh, coming into this game with 35 strikeouts. Opposed uh, by Griffin Canning, who's 5-4, uh, 4.95 ERA and 62 strikeouts. Thoughts on Canning progressing this season, and what are your thoughts on the game tonight? Uh, it seems like Canning, if I get this right, um, he'll have a horrible first inning. It's kind of like Andrew Heaney almost to me, where he can't get out of the gate well, and then he'll settle in. And that puts the team far back each game, where you say, hey, we need, we need them to be great right away where we don't have to score as many runs. We don't have to worry about playing catch-up every game. Uh, he's one of those guys you still can't really trust out on the mound starting. Um, you see some good signs, and you see some really horrible signs on him. I uh, I don't know if I bring him back. Oh, okay, okay, bring it. Okay, so so Canning is signed, though. I just wanted to uh, uh, mm-hmm. interrupt you for a second, though. On Griffin Canning, you put the comparison to Heaney, which I totally get in a way. Do you believe, though, that he's a type of pitcher that, yes, he has some of the same traits, but can settle in and give you a good quality start as well? Do you think that he is going to not follow the Heaney path and actually straighten out and get better with his, you know, given his age? Or do you think he's going to follow the Heaney route and it's Heaney part, you know, part two? I think it's Heaney part two. Uh, there's no encouraging signs, you know, with with Griffin Canning. And uh, it's unfortunate, too. But you really have to hash out the bad ones you have if you want this team to be successful. 
And it's not a sure thing where you say, hey, I want Canning in the rotation for years to come. And it's not like that with Heaney either. So if those two are gone, which I know Heaney will probably be gone, I don't see him see the Angels bringing him back. I, I would actually like to see him get traded to somewhere, but I don't know where, uh, pretty soon, you know, before the deadline or whatnot. With Canning as he signed, you could go the bunny route where you can put him in the bullpen and see how he does coming out of there and getting uh, someone from AAA into there starting or C-Rod, whoever, uh, Suarez, as we saw him. What did he have, like seven innings that one game, and he did very well. But, yeah, you can't, you don't see Canning go forward, really. And, by the way, today um, – Against Canning, uh, Trey Minasini has faced him four times, uh, has a 250 average. But uh, really, no one else in the Baltimore lineup has faced him. Okay. So that's encouraging as um, as you go in today. I mean, there's film on Canning or whatnot, but the Royals have to, you know, strike. So that would be interesting. And then for the Orioles... Keegan Aiken, I'll be honest with you, I never heard of the guy. I haven't watched much Oreo baseball. You know, Mike Messina isn't walking through that door. Um, <laughs> you know, Aiken is 0 for 4, 7-11 ERA. He doesn't strike out at a ton. So if you can get to him early and draw some walks, get some clutch base hits, you can get into that bullpen and tax them for the whole series which would be awesome to do because we all know starters aren't going to be around long. You don't get a starter going seven anymore unless he's DeGrom or Bauer. So, you know, if you can get him out of the game and um, the Angels will have success with that, if that's the case today, tonight, I should say. I do like the, I do like the matchup. I think Canning is, this is one of his get right games. Um hmm Personally, I still think there's a chance for him to flip a switch. I still think that, you know, he shows a bit more, uh, you know, flash out there. He has more emotion than Heaney, obviously. I still think that he could do something. Whether he does or not, that's to be determined. But in tonight's matchup, if you look at the numbers, Angels should have the advantage. But we, we don't. we never know with this lineup. We never know that, you know, even though the pitching has come around, we don't know that if the if the lineup's going to put up enough runs tonight, or even if Canning's going to pitch a solid start. So we have to see what happens with that. Um, so I'm with you tonight. Tonight's going to be a bit of a wild card. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to put this podcast out before the game. People can listen to this uh, here pretty soon. Uh, and one thing with the Orioles, man, Cedric Mullins, this outfielder, man, he's been awesome. And, and there's a case where he should be starting in the All Star team for the American League. He's one guy you can't leave the ball over the plate like Canning does because he'll take it to the rock pile. So uh, that's one thing I'm worried about, hearing about Mullins and what he can do along with Trey Mancini. And it's great that Mancini is coming back from the uh, colon cancer he had and he's able to perform. He'll be in the home run derby. And uh, I, I just I, I'm happy for him. So whatever happens this weekend, you know, it's just good to see him. But with Mullins, you got to pitch him low and away. Uh, Canning, great. You know, one thing I missed out on Canning, he's a great pitching fielder. You know, he won the Gold Glove. 
So that's one thing to look at. He keeps the ball. If he keeps the ball low, he can pounce on something and make a double play happen. So I would love to see that if he gets the runners on. I agree. And uh, before I, before we move on to game two and three, the matchup there, I just want to say that as far as, you know, I've said on a, another podcast or in a message board that the, the fact that we need I believe if they're not going to cook this year and we're going to fall short or they're going to be sellers at the deadline, I would like for them to go along with your premise as far as trying to get what we can, even if it's a minor leaguer or an Andrew Heaney or a Dylan Bundy, even uh, Quintana. And Cobb would be a serviceable pitcher to get out there too because in the scheme of things right now, the way Detmers is pitching in the minors, double A's tearing it up. He had 16 strikeouts the other night in the seventh and uh, he's been doing double-digit strikeouts in a more tougher league, double-A than triple-A, even though that doesn't sound right, but it's true. And you have also guys who, like Suarez who, who earned his spot in the rotation after pitching good game after good game in the rotation. In fact, he'll be pitching on Monday against the Red Sox at home. He'll be making his first start of the season. And uh, so you got you know, you got a rotation of Otani. you got Suarez, you got Sandoval, who's very trustworthy. Uh, you, if you bring up Reed Detmers after the trade deadline, there's your fourth starter. You got Griffin Canning for five, you know, or, or five four. You can mix and match. So I'm just saying, you can give these guys an opportunity and go a youth movement to the end of the year. And if you're able to pick up prospects for those four pitchers, maybe five to six guys coming back that are maybe useful for next year's bullpen, next year's rotation, or even an infield spot, a good utility guy, get something because those four guys are likely going to walk anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah on one-year deals and i don't don't see the angels the only guy i would see the angels actually making a a contract for next year would be cop to be honest yeah because he's been one of those leaders in the in the uh the very few leaders that this team has in the clubhouse Mm -hmm. that's one thing that's really missing in the game is you know tory hunter was one of those guys where you know he is fiery he can get the clubhouse going the Angels really haven't had anyone since that, I, I can tell you. Maybe Calhoun in a way. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see Alex Cobb hopefully coming back. But if not, got to trade him to some contender. And then hopefully the scouting and Perry uh, does well with the scouting and his scouts to say, hey, got to find someone worthy to bring back who can contribute right away. And with the youth movement, I don't really see a problem with it mm-hmm. in September with Detmers, but I, I don't want to rush him where you say, hey, you know, the pressure's on you to do well. I just wanted to say, hey, the records don't matter. You know, the schedule doesn't matter. Just go out there and work on your location. Mm-hmm. First, it's, it just starts out with location, first of all. You can have all the speed you want. You can have all the, the velocity, whatever. But location, that's why I love Greg Maddox. His thing was just locating. You don't have to have all the speed, velocity, and all that, but just locate well. So with Deadmers, we know he's had success in the minors. Uh, so I bring him up very slow. I wouldn't even bring him up, actually. I, I would think about next year. But um, if there's no room left you know, for anybody else, then I guess you got to go with Reed. Well, I mean, you, you got Packy. You've got a couple other starters down there you can pull up in case. Because Packy has touched the major uh, at one point, so um, we'll see. I mean, there's 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 ways to go, and I understand you want to be cautious with these guys too, knowing our training staff loves to give time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But when it comes down to it, this team moving forward, the only reason why I said go with that youth movement, especially if you're not in it, because you can test out the waters for next year and see which one of these young kids are ready to go for next year and then judge because they are going to have a ton of money and they are going to get some free agents. By the way, real quick on the news and notes for the Angels, I don't know if you saw, but Castillo from the uh, Reds, which we've been talking about a lot in the offseason, although he had a rough start to this season, he is being scouted, and he actually had Angels scouts at the San Diego Reds game uh, the other day uh, checking out Castillo's start because the Angels are one of the couple teams that are, are kind of interested in this guy. And um, I wanted to bring up his numbers real quick. Um, okay, so he started the season with a high ERA. Um, he was allowing like five to six runs per game at times. His ERA was up to seven, but his last six starts – He's pitched uh, each game over five and two thirds, not one under five and two thirds. Uh, he's pitched one eight inning game and once or no two seven inning games. He's brought his ERA down three runs in that uh, in that uh, time period, which he's only allowed uh, six runs in the uh, six starts. So with that being said, he has a career uh, ERA of three point eight four, and this is the highest his ERA has got because currently it's at five point zero eight, but it's coming down. He has a three and ten record because of his. Uh, terrible first start to the season. But before that, you know, uh, he went four and six last year with a 320 ERA, 2019, 15 and eight, 340 ERA, and 10 and 12 with a 430 ERA and, and 18 and 17, three and seven with a three, three flat ERA. So his numbers are good. His strikeouts are there. Uh, I believe this guy, I, I wanted him in gray. I and mean, I don't know if gray's in play, but they are checking out Castillo. And I guess that Perry's making either a move for next year or a move thinking that this team can still contend. And do you like Castillo personally? I do. There's just little things he has to shore up. His ERA fits in well with the Angels. Uh, <laughs> just fits right in. Um, the thing is, you know how Matt Wise is the intern uh, pitching coach? I don't see him going forward with the team. I, I want to bring in someone – who has done well in other places, you know, well, not, not, that go would, ahead. It would have been Dick Pitts, but uh, he, uh, <laughs> he canceled himself out. Yeah. Even him, you know, when he had all those great arms with the Mets, you seen what happened with the injuries. And I know he wasn't the pitching coach. He was the manager, but I don't know if that would have been a great fit as well anyway. I know he was a pitcher before. He was on the O2 team. But I'm hoping the Angels go out and really invest and really um, not take their time necessarily, but go out and get a coach for pitching that can do way better than what we've had. You know, whether it's Bud Black coming back. Because you know Colorado eventually – will let him go before the season or let him uh, finish this season and then he's uh, he's free. Um, and you know how bad Colorado is, so I, I don't know if he'll make the season. But if they were able to bring in someone like Bud Lack or Darren Bosley, who worked with Bud Lack here in San Diego, I will certainly enjoy that because – Bosley just seemed to make guys that were struggling in other places. They would come to the Padres and then become all-stars, and then they would get shipped away and help another team. So, you know, 
that's cool bringing in Castillo, Gray, whoever you want. But as you said with the training staff and then with the pitching coaches, I want better results from all these players when it comes to all these coaches. That's what we definitely need on the Angels. We need someone that can do better and then now make the team better. So I'm first looking at that for coaches. I want to see who Perry brings in and who Artie okays to bring in. But I'm hoping Artie just stays away from all that and says, hey, Perry, you do whatever you want. That will now benefit the ball club. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, because I, I believe that there, and go along with your point, I, I believe there is an issue there, and we brought this up on other shows on the post as well, as far as guys who are basically these coaches aren't one-on-one hands-on with our players. It just, you can tell. And uh, I don't know what the disconnect is, why they are the way they are. It just doesn't look right. Matt, uh, Matt Wise doesn't look comfortable, nor does, you know, some of his decision-making from what we've heard isn't that great. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure heads will roll in the offseason. I'm hoping that the hitting coaches are gone as well. I found, mm-hmm. I found out there's an assistant hitting coach today, a third one. We have three hitting coaches. That's unreal. Uh, the Oakland Athletics have Scott Emerson as a pitching coach. And he's up this year uh, on his final year. I would go for a guy like that, too. He's put in his time along with Don, uh, Doug Melvin and a few other players. You know, all you have to do, really, to be honest with you, James, is look at these teams like the Braves, uh, you know, the Rays, the Athletics, um, that have had constant good pitching over the years. And either still an assistant that's really privy to the guy who's in charge or, or go in free agency when these guys contract up and take them from one of the teams. Off, you know, stop being cheap and get a coach in here. And like you mentioned, Bud Black would be a great guy. The guy from the Padres, like you brought up, uh, what's his name? Um, Darren Balsley. But he hasn't he hasn't uh, coached since, like, I believe 2018. So I'm wondering if he's just retired or not. It could be, it could be a honeycut situation because I know the Dodgers had honeycut for years, and that dude was oh, yeah. genius with pitching. Uh, look at you and tweak what, uh, tweak something you did in the slightest, and, and all of a sudden the pitcher was pitching like an all-star. Um, we've seen so many reclamation projects with the Dodgers before they started spending a lot, lot more money than the Houston. Um, point being is that pitching is going to make a huge difference, obviously, in this team moving forward, and the coaching is going to all also elevate. It. And uh, that's I think that's where we've had such a problem, the evaluation of the guys we're bringing in, and then also the coaching when we have them here is not being brought up to par. And uh, so I believe there will be heads rolling. There might be an entirely new staff on the sideline with, with uh, Madden. I would say just don't fire Molina. I love Molina as one of the coaches, and I like Butterfield. I think those are the only two coaches that I like with this squad I'd like to keep for next season. I definitely agree with you on that. I just want a pitching coach that would go out instead of, like, covering their mouth and, you know, giving a little – you know, shoulder tab. I want someone fiery in old school. It's like, hey, don't BS around here. Go right after this guy and locate. You know, just say, hey, it's okay, buddy. You know, just uh, just try to do better. No. <laughs> you know, get right in his grill and just say, hey, you're out here for a reason. I'll have you taken out if you don't do better. I, I want that old school kind of fire. You know, Joe's always talking about playing 1985 ball. Well, remember, pitching coaches went out there and said, hey, this is how, this is what you have to do. This is what you're going to do or else you're out of the game. I would love something like that again. 
Yeah, you know, I don't see that from Matt Weiss. I don't see that, like you mentioned. Yeah, he looks more like Lurch out there. He looks like he probably just grunts and goes, just do better, you know. Just just be better out there, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay if he gave up those runs. It's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him next time. <laughs> it's not okay, man. You get the offense behind and we lose. It's like, no, it's not okay. Yeah, we've it's not okay. Buttercup games this year to be okay with any of that. Yeah. So Hence why you have the red bubble merchandise. Exactly. <laughs> it's helping our I got to give me a blowpin one. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, th- but this is a team This is a team that's in – this team is being flux again for like the seventh straight year. And as we go into this Orioles series where you should be looking at this series as, hey, we should sweep no worse than a two out of three. Still sticking to the mantra that I've tried to, to give to the fans all year – Hey, just one game at a time. Let's, let's face what we're facing tonight. I know we're looking ahead. Who else we have in the series? But I really can't tell you who the Orioles are pitching the next two days because it could be announced versus could be announced. Um, right. Have, uh, Cobb tomorrow and Sandoval uh, in the closeout, but the Orioles have not announced the pitchers. Um, uh, Jim Palmer and uh, Steve Stone. <laughs> Those are the ones they're trotting out there. As old as they are, they're, they're going out there for Baltimore. Pretty sure against our inconsistent lineup, they'd be able to shut us down at least three. And three. Dude, Jim Palmer? Oh, hell yeah. That dude was amazing. After he's done selling you real estate or whatever those <laughs> Yeah. You know, I you have a great moniker there, and it started with Mike Sosha. He brought that over from the Dodger system, I guess. Uh, or he made it his own, where he said one game at a time. I always remember that growing up with the 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 teams two decades ago, where it's like, hey, one game at a time, focus on this, one series at a time. Um, and I always remember Marty Schottenheimer. As much as you know, he hated the Raiders. I always respected the hell out of him. When he was with Kansas City or San Diego, he always had Raider Week, and he said, hey, one game at a time, one play at a time. And when you have situations going on like that, one play at a time for as long as it takes, it always seemed repetitive, but damn, it, it spoke volumes. And I always loved Marty for that. So I always like to think of that, it's like one pitch at a time. Whether you're going to have a pitch out or you're going to have a bunt on or something. It's always one pitch at a time. You know how you do your thing with Sosha and those fingers, you know, with the face going like this and like that. I kind of miss, you know, that with the uh, with him being a, a great catcher and having his relationship with his catchers. It always seemed like he was in charge and the pitching would do better. You know, you always seem flashing the numbers or whatever, and one of those numbers would be the pitch you would call. I, I kind of miss that from Mike's uh, a manager, and uh, I learned a lot with Mike Socia and and the game when uh, when I was growing up. So it's one of those things probably missing with the Angels is that one game at a time mentality, like you said. I think if that were the case right now, and you would have Socia calling balls and strikes, but he would give in to the analytics, and he would yeah. Everyone else running the other stuff, uh, parts of the game. I think he still have a job. There's a reason why Socha has not been hired on. Now you remember in 2015, 
um, he was, and before he re-upped with the Angels before that, he was a sought-after guy that, hey, if he leaves the Angels, this dude's going to get hired like that. But he is not mentioned anywhere in any kind of managerial hiring positions because the fact that he refuses to go to analytics at all. And 100% of the teams now in baseball are freaking analytics run or at least uh, driven. And so with his old-school mentality, I think the calling the pitches would work but you leave the analytics to the hitting side. You know what I mean? And, and maybe as far as some of the pitching matchups too, if you're calling in pitchers, fine. Call in pitchers, use that analytics as well. But as far as what Socha feels to call in certain situations, let him do that. But I don't think a team would give him that kind of power. I think that kind of power for a manager has gone by the wayside. Um, and you got guys upstairs calling the game who have never called the game before. and they I hate that. So that's that's just where baseball is right now, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, there, there has to be change on this coaching staff moving. Um, yeah, I, I hate all that. <laughs> I, I, want, I want just when the manager was in charge of everything, I, I loved that. And now that style is just out of date, and it's just bad for the game. Because everybody's free swinging for the fences, not getting the proper hits, you know, just getting on. They're just swinging for the fences. It's just ruining what was what. What was good, honestly. With the launch angle and stuff like that, guys, oh. guys are way too egotistical now. They're not they're they're totally selfish. Nobody wants to get go for the, the hit. They don't wanna they don't wanna do a hit and run, stuff like that. All the stuff that makes the game exciting in a way, I think it's getting grounded out. Um but we'll see. You know, maybe the game will change with new rules. Maybe the, the uh, you know, like a team like the Angels who had launch angle on their mind 24-7 have kind of changed it up recently and been trying to get just a square bat on the ball. And maybe going back to basics will help a team reel up the hits, you know. Uh, I just want to see three bunts a series. Like, I'll be fine with three bunts, one bun a game. I'll be fine with that. You just get one bun a year with, with ball clubs now, it seems like. I just want to see a damn bunt. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see stolen bases. Stolen bases. Are Hell yeah! And also, you've seen too with the you know with the Angels. I think that's what's been a huge problem. It's productive outs. So even when you do get a guy on base, like say for instance, the walks are terrible too. So walks, stolen bases, and freaking uh, bunts. But if you get a guy on base at some point, even recently, they've had a very hard time of making a productive out, even moving the runner over from second to third first to second, or when they even had second and third, I could name further opportunities that have happened just in the last week where they had second and third, one out and failed to score. That's not productive outs. That's either whiffing because you're trying to launch angle, you're not putting a bat on the ball, putting it in play, and it's terrible baseball. And, and then, so guys like when, when Renifo came through the other night against New York, I'm like, holy crap, a two-out hit. He came <laughs> You know what I mean? It's super good. Uh, so... <laughs> When the Rendon pop-ups would just, 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 oh, they would hurt. And there's one guy, one out, and there's two guys on, or two outs, whatever it is, and you got second and third, first and second, and, oh, it's just another infield pop-up. Oh, I just hate that so much. By the way, by the way, how about the fact that when he goes off his bat, he holds the bat and stands in the bat, in the box, like, knowing he popped it up, and he keeps the bat in the air, like, yeah, this is where I was swinging. This is my angle. <laughs> like, Dude! it's just, yeah, <laughs> run. Yeah. So, um, 
as we close that part out, we got to get into someone that was rumored as hell with the Angels mm-hmm. uh, offseason. And that was Trevor Bauer, who stabbed the fan base and the team in the back by signing with, of all teams that didn't need him, the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And on paper, they didn't need him. But if you looked at the season this year, they've absolutely really needed him. A couple guys going down and a few guys not performing right. And his wins have been very big for the Dodgers at times, and he's pitched very good, unfortunately. But he's not in the news for baseball. Will you want to refresh some of the fans that haven't heard about what Trevor Bauer's into? Well, I guess without the strict details, but uh, he's been accused of sexual assault. And a uh, woman has come forward. They met a couple of times. He, she drove from San Diego all the way to his house in Pasadena. And uh, there's some definite graphic details that I don't know if we want to get into. But from what I read, it seems just awful. Now, I read the news today where Bauer was going to start on Sunday. And Dave Roberts, um, not looking good in the public eye, was saying, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just do what the league tells me to do and have him play. Well, now... uh, Trevor Bauer is not starting, and he's kind of been, I guess, suspended without saying suspended for the time being because we don't know where this is going to go with Trevor Bauer. But, uh, man, I, it's just uh, – it's, it's eerie right now. And I know Bauer has a lot of fans and whatnot, um, I was even watching his videos last year of him being with the Reds and going around cities to cities, and he just seemed like a you know a nerdy nice guy. Never really had any complaints about him other from he might show up a few people, but um, the people would show him back or love it because it would progress the game forward. Well, now <laughs> I don't know what to think about him. And with these details of what the woman has said and came forward with, and you're 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 the detective in this uh, in this case here, so I, I've always wanted to hear your opinions about it, honestly. Okay, uh, well, on this one, I, I look as being a man, um, you, you you can see how women are always, you know, not always, but. In situations they were taken advantage. A lot of women don't speak up. A lot of women have been raped and will never know that they've been raped because they're too scared to, they're too embarrassed, and I totally get a woman's perspective on it. Also, there have been a lot of women in the past that have falsely accused men and have sent men to jail. And prominently, from, from even a poor guy to a major superstar to a musician to an actor. And that's a shame, too. And uh, the problem is when you have things of that nature taking place, the media and also uh, the uh, what is it called? Uh, the fan- I think the the public eye. Yeah, the, the public tends to be judged. So especially with social media being the way it is, imagine what happened to Kobe Bryant back in the day if it happened today. Now that happened oh, yeah. pre cusp of all the, uh, the social media, and that woman was torn apart. You know, whether, whether he was guilty or not, and uh, he was thrown out of jail, whatever. But he went through some unfair stuff because of who Kobe Bryant was. 
And I'm not blaming Kobe Bryant for that, but that's just his star status. And I'm pretty sure that this woman's getting attacked because of Trevor Bauer's star status. Whether, you know, he doesn't have the big fan base that a lot of people do because he is a general douche and a narcissist. But if this woman is guilty of doing something as a setup or something that she agreed to, and then she's trying to get money and get him in trouble, then I'm with him, even though I don't like the guy on the mound. But as a person, I would be for him because I don't want anyone falsely accused race, color, gender, anything. That sucks. No one should do the time for a crime they did not commit. But, however, however, my final thought is, if he is guilty, and say, for instance, in a text message, she said, yes, I do like rough sex. Yes, I do want to get this performed to me or this and that. But he took it over the top and beat her, choked her out, did stuff that you're not supposed to do. I mean, there are things called safe words, and there are limits to what you can say and do to somebody. And if he abused that in any way and he is guilty, no matter what, I'd side with her. You know, when mm-hmm. it, if there's proof in, in it, see, right now in the past, I would be quick to judge me. I'd be like, oh, no, he's a douche. He's in trouble. Or she's, she's a, a gold digger, whatever. I'm going to sit back and wait on this one. Despite me hating the Dodgers, despite me not liking Trevor Bauer, I want to see what happens. And I want, to, I want to see it fair. And if the police investigate and he's found guilty, then prosecute the shit out of him. If, if, if she's found guilty for lying and falsely accusing, prosecute the shit out of him. I'm down the middle on this one. Now. Yeah, it's like it's right now it's a case of uh, his word against her word. That's all I can think about, you know, the, the stories we've heard before. And it's just fitting this week that Bill Cosby gets released after all those women came forward years ago. And then uh, he's out. <laughs> Got out of a technicality. He was like, "Hey, Phil, you need to get drinks for this little pill and those drinking the boom and the bang the bang." You know the the one thing I I was uh, surprised about. The TV wife came out and defended him right away after he got out. Uh, Felicia Rashad, and uh, she's getting slack for that. So it, it's almost like okay, whoever on the, in the public eye, whoever defends Trevor Bauer right now, is deemed you know an a hole, yeah. you know someone way below everybody's uh, radar, I guess. And then if they say something, oh look out, it's going to be a disaster. And for someone who's probably the best in the game at pitching, other from Degrom, it's just a big story right now, especially in the summertime, where he's what eight and one, eight and zero. He's not and he's not pitching for the Royals either. That's that's what makes it mm-hmm. the only the yeah. Only he doesn't get any bigger if he's pitching for the uh, Yankees or the Mets. But the fact yeah. that the Dodgers that that's a huge story. Um. I will say this, too, about uh, Felicia Richard from the Cosby Show. I, if I were her, I'd defend him, too, because he was the one that made her career, number one, and, two, the reason why she still gets royalty checks to this day. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. But, um, but the thing is, I see your point. It's a, it's a fine line. I think just, as you grow up and you mature, you kind of like are like, okay, you know what, let's see where this one goes. I kind of want to see where this one goes. But, you know, if he is guilty – because you could look at it right now with the evidence that's been put out there, <clears throat> you see some really substantial evidence for her side. And 
have the police actively investigating. So there is, where there's smoke, there's fire, number one. And then number two, the agent and a couple other ple- people close to him, including himself, vehemently saying, I've seen the evidence. I've seen more that's been released to the public. And we're confident that this is not going anywhere. So you kind of don't know who to believe because on one end you're like, okay, well, I believe Bauer's right. And then you're like, wait a minute, but she has this. So like, that's why I'm like, dude, I kind of want to make, like, I kind of want to see more evidence and find out more things before I judge. That's it. And then what, what is odd, not odd, but good in Bauer's case, him. And then he got the, what the best defensive attorney out there in LA, I believe he, um, they came out right away and said, all this is false. You know, she texted me right away after, you know, and she had all these issues and Bauer found it confusing and puzzling why they had, she had these issues. Um, So like I said, it's just, it's just like her side and their side, but like you, I'm wondering what other evidence can come forward? What what other pictures can be made up? Or what other pictures are real? What evidence is at his house? Yep. In the car she drove back in to San Diego? Okay, I figured if you're con- been concussed and you've been, you know, manhandled and all that, you're going to your local, you're going to the closest hospital near you're not driving back from Pasadena all the way down to San Diego where she got into a hospital down there. I figured if you're, if you're feeling that awful to what ha- allegedly happened to you, you're going to the hospital closest to where you're, you're leaving the house from. Yeah. So that to me, that seems a little suspicious to me that she was able to drive all the way down to San Diego and got the medical attention. You know, that just is suspicious to me. That is a huge red flag. So I'll, I'll put it to you this way, too. I got into a fight one time at a bar and, uh, you know, got outside. And I took a couple of shots to the face and I gave a few back. I don't know. I don't even know who won the fight. But the fact is, I couldn't drive home. Like, my head was pounding. You know, I took a couple good shots. And uh, I don't think, like, I'm with you on this one. That's about 150 miles worth from there to San Diego. And uh, that's at least... a two and a half hour or two hour drive down back to San Diego. And uh, if your head's ringing that much, I don't, I don't know how you could do that. Um, that to me would be worse than driving drunk or driving extremely tired. Uh, also with that uh, scenario, um, you would think, um, you know, Trevor Bauer saying, well, I don't know this, you know, this, this girl's crazy. I don't understand the situation. If she is into that kind of sex, She's she's crazy anyway. I mean, not the yeah. But if you're, if you're liking the fact of being choked out almost to submission and getting physically beat, whipped, and stuff like that, I don't like to judge people on what they do in their own bed or behind closed doors. But there is a little something weird to that. You're not going up to you're not having a you know most of the time it's not like an upstanding citizen normal that you can't tell. Sometimes you can always tell if a person's been scarred, whether male or female, if they're into crazy sex like that. So, if they're wearing, if they're wearing leather, <laughs> if they take a whip to the date, then, <laughs> then you might know something's not right. Oh boy! Yeah, I, you know she. They met on Instagram, and that's always a. Um, 
that's always a trap, honestly. You can have fake accounts. You can have um, just unwanted things happen in your life after you meet up with these IG girls. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, I'm not in that that tax bracket or whatever to meet up with these girls or whatever, and I don't think I would anyway, just because morally, um, I don't think about girls like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have higher standards, I guess, morally and uh, mentally, than just women on there. So that's another thing. When you see what girls are out there, you know, they chase the money. Where you, I think uh, Bauer got the three-year, $102 million contract with the Dodgers, which is the highest at the time. That could be an opening guy for all the the women out there to say, hey, I'm going to meet that guy, and then I'm going to trap him. I'm going to do whatever I can to get, you know, at least half of his money. So that was Bauer's pickup line, uh, uh, three-year, $102 million. What's up, girl? You know? I, lo- I I locate well. Yeah, <laughs> that could be one. Yeah, be like, well, I know how you do on the mound. He's like, I'm not talking about the mound. I, I pitch very well. <laughs> and it's just going to be, you know, I I don't know if you what you think, but I don't know if we see him back this season pitching. What do you think? Uh, not unless they come to a real quick conclusion. If it's so, if it's one of those things to where the case is pending, or if it, you know, because if they actually do take this court, I think that there could be a way that his lawyers can delay the process to the off season to where you don't have any media coverage. You put like sort of like a silence on both parties; they can't talk to the media, and maybe he sits out about three or four starts until maybe it blows over a little bit, and the Dodgers can creep him back out there on the mound to start. Take some flack for a couple starts, especially in the he rode a he rode a uh, was it the court of opinion uh, stadium, and then and then everyone forgets about it to the off season. You know, what I mean, I could see that happening. Or if he's really smart and he's really innocent, push this shit as fast as you possibly can to get yourself exonerated and back on the mound. Uh, one other thing, though, that I will say that you brought up with fake accounts and things like that being catfished. People forget, too, that you can doctor text messages. You can doctor phone records. So if you go to the police and say, look at what he wrote me right here, you could have made that up. There's apps for that. The problem is, and I think that's what happened with dick pics. People say, why did it take dick pics so long to get fired by the angels? Because they had to request the, the phone records, which takes 90 days from the phone company. If it's not a, a homicide, you have to go through the freaking time period. So the Angels and also Major League Baseball had to wait 90 days to get his phone records to see that, yes, he was guilty of doing the things with the Angels, with the Mets, with the Indians. And then they were like, okay, you're fired. But And they, they suspended him. So I, worst case scenario for Bauer is those phone records need to be exonerated and, and, and pulled, out, pulled out so he can be exonerated, what I mean. And he might have to wait 90 days. So And your theory could come true with well, the league can't push him out there if nothing's no conclusion's been. So if there's no conclusion, they don't know if he's uh, uh, guilty or not. It's a bad black guy for the Angels or for the Angels for the for Major League Baseball to be running this dude out there on a nightly basis, whether it's home or away. So they might have to suspend him or ask him to take a leave of absence until this all gets squared away. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, obviously, the Angels kind of dodged a bullet there. 
but the news Wednesday about uh, Skaggs came up, and man, I, you know, I, you feel for the family. Definitely, you realize that uh, that situation that happened in 2019 could have been avoided with Tyler Skaggs. Yep. Uh, I forget his name. K. That was uh, supplying the drugs for him. He was never pushed away by team officials or people. He was never looked at, I guess, as a bad guy. Um, it, it, it's a slippery slope, honestly, how this Tyler Skag thing is, is really. And it's really hard to talk about, too, because you have one guy where you don't really see or hear anything about addictions. And... To find out that he had one with the drugs, and he never really showed it, so you never really know. I was trying to think one way how this could have all been avoided, as the family is saying, um, as they put out a uh, was it a lawsuit against the Angels? You know, could could have there been better counseling out there for Skags? Could have the team? Uh, provided better counseling. I don't. I don't really know because in the majors, I don't know how these things work. I don't know if they have counseling of any sort. Uh, it's up to the player, I guess, to come out and say, "Hey, I have this problem," and then the counseling comes out. But it's just like I said, a slippery slope, and it's a reminder that everybody's human. Everybody has their issues. And they hide them. And it, it's just a real unfortunate thing. And the anniversary of his death came up on the first, um, what was it, two years ago in Texas. Yeah. I remember when that game was going to come up and the Angels were playing not fairly well. Um, but then we got the news. I'm thinking, man, that's horrible. And as we talked before, I think in 2019, we mentioned, you know, he's probably not going to be with the team much longer. He's had his struggles. He was going to be, you know, an okay pitcher. But he was never going to be anything where you would want to keep him around. I think I mentioned before, um, and this sounds harsh going back to two years ago, where I said, hey, I wanted him on another team. You know, I wanted him not to be on the Angels anymore just because of performance. Mm -hmm. I did not want him to go out like this wow. and, and die, yeah. you know. That that hurts to this day to me that I – and I, I'm stupid. I say things that I shouldn't or think things, you know. Yeah, but you but, didn't go out there mentioning any, any bad on – I've never heard you mention bad on a player personally. It's all No, I would never do that, no. I wouldn't feel bad if I were you. That's what I'm saying. Because I know, I remember our critiquing because it was the same. Heaney had like the same freaking idea about it that how Heaney's pitching now is, is mm -hmm. you want to think about it, is exactly how Skaggs pitched back in the day. It, it, was, it was the same thing. You saw ace material from either one of these guys. And for whatever reason, they never put it together. And when Skaggs' issue happened, he passed away. Yes, we were devastated. Yes, we found, we felt bad. But I think it was like a week later, me and you talked. And we were like, maybe it was the opiates that he was taking that gave him that up and down persona as a pitcher because 
he never could put a few starts together. He was always up and down. He would he would come out and dominate a, a team, and you'd be like, man, he just took out a really good Toronto Blue Jays lineup, come out against the Orioles and looked flatter than a pancake. And and who does that now on the Angels? Freaking he. Thank mm-hmm. you. And and one other thing I'll say about Skaggs real quick is, in this report that's going to go to to the the uh, judge at some point, punitive damages or not punitive but uh, financial damages. I'm pretty sure the Angels are going to lose in this one. I really want Artie just to pay out the family and make this go away and honor Tyler Skaggs at the same time. Every year, like they do with Aiden Hart, maybe set up a foundation as well. Stuff like that as far as, as they could really make themselves look better because it was their fault in a way. Look, it takes two. The guy's got to take the drugs. The guy's got to put the stuff in his body. He's going to want to do that. But you have a guy on the staff that you knew was dealing drugs, and there's five other players that are going to be named in the lawsuit, which we'll find out soon. So you have that and the fact that also um, you knew about it. Guys like Tim Mead knew about it. So there's accountability there by the organization. And just like Vince McMahon in wrestling, he knew about some of the wrestlers taking the drugs that were passing away. He's made himself look better in the last 10 years because they have a wellness program. They, you know, he, they'll, they'll lay guys off no matter how good they are because the fact that they don't want them damaging. They'll lay them off if they don't go to rehab, basically. And like your point coming to, to uh, fruition, if they knew about it, they should have sent his ass to rehab. But, you know, it never came up. And what's kind of unfortunate, but I, I see what the Angels have done, where they filed, fired back at uh, Carly and the family saying the lawsuit is entire, entirely without merit and the allegations are baseless and irresponsible. That makes the Angels look so much worse in this case. Because <laughs> now it's going to be, well, no matter what, he's dead. He's gone, and the angels are kind of making it worse. What you mentioned, you just the the money gets paid by Artie. I just want this to be quick and not painful. Mm-hmm. As much as he's gone, and as much as painful as it is for those teammates who really liked him, still on the ball club or with another team. Yep. As much as the fans who loved him, yep. and that and and I, as I mentioned. I judge players what they do on the field. You know, it's performance-based. I'm never going to judge them unless, like, they kill someone, right? That's that's fairly – that's much different than this case where that's murder or whatever. That's way different. I wanted him to do well. I wanted him to find a way. And if it was going to be with another team, you know, I would have been happy. And and that's what hurts the most to see if he would have found his way. And you're judging that, judging that based on what he could do on the field, never knowing that he had an updoise problem, never knowing he had a drug problem. And, and that hurts the most. And I would imagine going forward – if the Angels get hit with a big lawsuit and they have to pay out, that every team in the MLB, minor league, however minor league can do it, we've heard they've had money problems, um, will have some type of program where they say, hey, tell me what you're on. If you're on anything, marijuana, you know, opioids, 
you know, whatever. You tell me what if you have any like alcohol addiction. If you have any addiction problems, you tell us now, and we will get you into problems because we don't want you overdosing. We don't want you killing yourself, killing others. We don't want anything to go wrong with you. When you're in our hands, I want you to feel comfortable and safe. And it's just unfortunate, this whole thing. And uh, I, I'm really interested in the trials that are coming up and what how this lawsuit all goes. But it's another stain on the Angels. We had the great comeback victory on Wednesday, and then boom, the news comes out. We can never have a great day where we're just talking about wins. And it hurts being a fan, dude. It really hurts being a fan when we're called the angels, but then things happen that come either come from the past or mentioned, and then, oh, it's right back to the dark clouds and rainy days of what's happened in the past or or whatever new that that bad happens that come out. It's just, it, it's hard being a fan. It, it really is, man. But I, I'm here, and... You know, I'm I'm happy to be on the show here, but man, it, it's hard because we're surrounded by something. Whether it was, you know, Callaway, uh, with all that going on and how that looked bad in the public eye, it's always something, man. It's always something, and it, it's just a struggle right now. It is, uh, and in the play, I mean, like you brought up two good things, right, or two good points. You brought up the fact that uh, you know what happened with. Gags only being two years removed, several players still being on the team. It's a bad look for the Angels to go at them because there's personal feelings. Wives all know each other. The families all know each other for the most part. And it's a bad look for the Angels to be attacking one of their own, especially one that passed away. And the the facts are the facts that the team knew about it and ignored it. And the facts are the facts that he took the drugs and knew about it and ignored it, overdosed it, uh, had the alcohol. There's blame on both sides. But it's tragic altogether and i think already going about the fighting part of it i which i didn't know about till you just read that or, or talked about that is a, is a slap in the face to the fans as well because no matter what he was a beloved guy here too uh, with his struggles it's still the fans loved him and uh they knew he was a good guy we didn't know about his personal demons but uh, that happens with a lot of players like andrelton simmons we didn't know about his personal demons you would have loved for them to also cover his butt last year Simmons, the, the, the team did a terrible job of letting the fans know, hey, he's not quitting on the team. He has some personal issues. At least say that. And they didn't. And the Angels fans, including myself, slammed him for that because it looked like he was quitting. And with the thing with 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 uh, with Skaggs, the, the team could have did a better job saying, hey, you know, you know, we dropped the ball on this. We know that people at their worst can't handle themselves. We should have been there for him. And maybe this lawsuit doesn't come up to fruition. Maybe if they're ahead of themselves when it first goes, instead of just playing up the part of being sad, if they took the bull by the horns, maybe this lawsuit doesn't come into play. But now it's going to get ugly. And now, uh, as we, as you talked about, one situation to be like a, a WWE where they have a wellness program. The league has so many things to take care of in the off season. This would not be a high priority. I mean, unfortunately, this is not going to be talked about. And it should have been talked about for a long time. This should have been in play since the damn steroids, since the crack epidemic from the 80s and 90s that took some players early or that got players in trouble. And so I think that there should be, because the MLB really doesn't test for drugs. They don't. 
So you can you can be doing crack. You could be uh, on meth. You could be doing a hell of a lot of stuff. As long as you're hitting 300 out there, as long as you're striking out, guys, hey, there's a place for you to play. You know, just try not to make it look too obvious. <laughs> but, uh, it's that uh, old school mentality that gets people in trouble. And you've seen it now in NFL where they're they're really watching guys and NBA now where things are kind of progressing better, especially in the NFL, man. You know, the concussion thing was always a problem. But nobody really knew, cared about it. They would just stick up fingers and say, hey, uh, how many fingers am I holding up? You know, three. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm good to go back. And obviously they were not. So, yeah, and it's not good for the future. You want to see a funny video. Well, it's kind of funny and sad. But go back and look at Dave Mag- Dave Maggett on YouTube versus uh, Chuck Season, Packers Giants. On back-to-back plays, Dave Maggett uh, uh, gets a concussion. Back to back plays, and they send him right back out there again. I mean, he gets lit up twice in a row by the same player, Chuck Seifert, and he's allowed to go right back out there. If you see a hit like that, even even a tenth of how hard those hits were in that clip, the player is automatically pulled to that little thing where they close the, you know, they pull over the tent and they evaluate him, like you said. They have a better protocol for that. But back then, it's like, hey, you still stand? Are you breathing? Get your ass back out on the field. Just be a decoy. Yeah, exactly. Like Terrell Davis was in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that you can't be- see, but just go forward. Just block somebody. If you see something yellow, go forward and block them. <laughs> yeah, it's all a stain, and I'm just hoping things just things get better human-wise and mentally that everybody can say, hey, no matter what you believe in, no matter who you are, that you'll be taken care of and there's no... And hopefully none of this ever happens again. Where if somebody has an issue, an addiction or whatever, hopefully it's sought after and it's stopped. Because those are the people that that we need. We need athletes. We need people to be heroes and and uh, not be examples of uh, of unfortunate cases. You know, that's all I got on the Tyler Skaggs thing. I just hope it's the family gets the money. In a way, I hope this has already selling the team after the looks of all these things, but I think he has a grip on the team that is really hard to, to let go. But uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, this is, this is something that I think what makes, makes a lot of fans frustrated because they've seen the incompetence by Artie. But unfortunately, there's owners out there like the Pittsburgh Pirates owner and others that have had plenty of players come through and they just don't care. They they have a beautiful stadium like Artie does and they have an organization that could do some things right. So they could still attend. They still have a big, huge TV contract. And if the owner makes money, he's not interested in selling. So these owners aren't, aren't care. They don't care about their legacy. And unfortunately the owners that get the job done are the ones that are rich, obviously, but the ones that freaking want to win. You know, your Steve Ballmers and stuff and, and, and the other ones that want to get to these championships is Steve Cohen's now in, in New York is turning the, t- the Mets around, you know. There's – Artie doesn't have that passion, I don't think, to spend the money like he should, even though he's worth $3 billion. That's why I stated, you know, you can afford – you can afford to freaking pay out freaking uh, Skaggs' family to let it go away. Even if you were to pay out 90 to 100, I know that sounds like a lot – like a like – I'm thinking it's chump change, 
But in the reality, that's not. I don't think they're asking for that much. But even if it's like 17, 18 million, pay it out, dude. And you could raise a tax on a beer or something. And for a season, you'll make that all up. But pay it out and make it go away. Don't put this in a situation to where we're questioning our fan fandom to the Angels because we feel that you know, you're screwing over guys that put in the time for your organization. You know what I mean? I'll, I always think about, you know, being an owner, uh, you win on and off the field. Yeah. That's the only way you can succeed. You look good, but you play good on and off the field. Yep, yep. That's all you can do. Some of those owners just don't have that mentality. Mm-hmm. This is a long show, but a good one. This is really informative. I think we touched on the Angels' play of late, and we got into the Skaggs conversation, the uh, Trevor Bauer stuff. This is the kind of good stuff and pulls that we can get from James here who comes on every now and then. He's going to be a big part of this show. And obviously, and at some point, I'm pushing him to get his own show, even though he has a pregame. A busy life, but we want to try to get him his own show as well. So we're going to work on that. But uh, uh, you want to let him know about the merch one more time before we get out of here? On redbubble.com, you'll find the merchandise that uh, that I think you're going to find entertaining. The blowpin, the what, buttercup stuff, the shirts, the stickers. I got to get me a sticker. I got to get something because, uh, you know, no matter how the team does, you got to laugh about things. Um, you got to have fun in life, I guess, right? Uh even though, you know, it's good to vent, too. But it's good to uh, to laugh about certain things and not take this game as seriously as uh, as I might sometimes. And Redbubble, with, if you type in Halos in the infield, you'll find that merchandise. And there's other merchandise as well. I love that initials of the Halos in the infield. That sticker, that shirt, oh, I, I got to get something like that. It's uh, 90s reminiscent right there. I really like that merchandise oh that was great so red bubble to find that merchandise yep uh and then also uh, check out the podcast just take uh type, type in uh, halos in the infield where you're gonna hear this show you can hear any other show and then we're obviously we're on youtube if you're watching the video that's all we have for today you got anything else james no just check out the pregame show and then of course the postgame show with todd fox where we'll have all the interactions with folks We'll have true statements. Tell it like it is. Uh, that's why I uh, I always like Todd and and uh, the stuff he brings with the with the shows. You got Fernando there. You got the others uh, chiming in. The great uh, what was it around the league podcast? The second episode just came out, and then there was a what was it circling the bases with the rocks in the infield folks over there uh i'm gonna listen to that one as soon as i can i'm on my way to the pregame show i gotta do my research and all that find out what orioles are playing and what orioles aren't and really look them up because you know eddie murray isn't walking through that door uh you know i don't even albert bell yeah albert bell Cal Ripken Jr., Billy Ripken. I got to find out who these Orioles are, and I got an hour to do it. So just take care, folks, you know, and uh, we will see you around. Just uh, subscribe wherever you are, like and follow all over the social media uh, inputs there, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Spotify is where you can find the uh, podcasts. Uh, 
Anchor wherever you find podcasts. Just yeah, Anchor has the uh, Halos and Neofil. Just type that in. Yep, we're even on iTunes too. So there you go. Big. Yes, sir. So for Todd Fox and James on the free game show. Check that out. This has been another uh, episode of Halos in the Infield podcast.